This week on S4C, some big games, big action, and it all starts on Friday night. Wales against Denmark at the Cardiff City Stadium. It's a big one. Wales win, finish top of the group. What that means beyond that, I'm not sure. I haven't done all my research yet into what this nation league, where it leads us. I know there's a promotion and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be in pot eight next time round. What it means for the Euro 2020 qualifiers, I'm not sure yet, but it's a big game. It's a massive one. The atmosphere is going to be unbelievable. It's sold out. So if you haven't got a ticket, then tune in to S4C. And then Saturday night, we've got another scorio. Carnarvon against Cardiff Met. Big game, Cardiff Met and Christian Edwards. They need a win. Carnarvon, after a brilliant result against TNS, the champions, the reigning champions last week. And then next Tuesday, we got Wales again. Trip over to Albania. Probably a few changes in the team. Have a little look at a couple of the youngsters. So, triple whammy. Wales against Denmark this Friday night, live on S4C. Followed by Carnarvon against Cardiff Met on Saturday. And Wales making the trip to Albania on Tuesday. And I think there's a rugby game involved somewhere along the lines as well. Maybe Saturday. Wales, live rugby action on S4C too. It's all going on. Tune in. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen About his seven caps, his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace Now it's a long shot Welcome everyone to the Longman's Football World Podcast with special guest this week, Mr. Brian Flynn. One of those juicy long podcasts. Nice conversation, split into two, um, getting into all things. Brian's career as a player, um, managing Wrexham, Swansea, being a huge, huge factor in the young players coming through the Welsh setup when he was working alongside John Toshak. We get into all of it. So hopefully you guys enjoy this conversation with Brian Flynn. A uh, big thank you before we get going to Abigail Golf Club for allowing us to use uh, their space. Nice little room, nice and comfortable, snug, beautiful cup of coffee. Anybody wants uh, fancies a knock along the Welsh North Wales coast, get your golf clubs across to Abigail Golf Club. Until then, Enjoy the podcast. Mr. Brian Flynn, I finally got you at last. And how long is that at last? Nah, it hasn't been, hasn't been too long. It's just nailing down a date. You're, you're a busy man, always on the road, ain't you? Yes, uh, recruitment is uh, searching for talent and you never know where you're going to find it because uh, through experience, with obviously with Wrexham initially, yeah. uh, the market we were in, uh, in terms of signing players was free transfers, non so-called non-league players and players who have been released by football clubs basically all for nothing. So you've got to get out there and see and, and see them and when we was at Wrexham we didn't have a chief scout. It was me, Kevin, Joey shared the, shared the role, yeah. a combined role. So we took in turns of going out because obviously Ke I trusted Kevin Joey's uh, assessment on players, and a uh, hundred times out of a hundred, they got it right when they when when we brought players in. So, 
we had a lot of success, with, especially with uh, so-called non-league players, mm. high-profile ones like Lee Trundle, obviously, will uh, come instantly to mind. Andy Morell. Uh, these are the two ones who went on to make good careers, really. And yeah. uh, I'm sure we'll talk about trends quite a bit. He's a one-off, yes, most <laughs> certainly. He's a one-off. He was different. He was 24 when I signed him, so it's never too late. Yeah. And he went and he and he had a good career. He went on to play for another. In fact, he's still playing now at a very good level in Wales. Yeah. And he's 43. So, but he does enjoy his football. You know, I don't think he'll. It'll be 50 before he retires, I think, with the way that he feels. I've had him on here, and the way he talks about football, there's not many, I've not come across many who are like him in in terms of that love. Of course we all love football in some way or form, and you've got to be lucky enough where physically he can still do it. Mm. But he just loves, whether it's craving that feeling of scoring a goal or the adulation that he'll get at whatever level he plays at, he loves playing, doesn't he? I think he also to that. I think he's an entertainer. Yeah, I think it's his stage. The stage of a football pitch is is, is what fits him perfectly. He likes to do th- some things differently. He likes to do the extraordinary. More certainly, his, his skills with the ball can uh, can showcase that because his uh, his technique of uh, of his touching the ball is as good as as good as you can get. He's a genuine entertainer, isn't he? I think people are always surprised. You know, often high-level players will, not that they turn their noses at someone like Trent, who, who maybe at the time was playing in League Two and he was doing all these flicks and tricks and getting a bit of attention on Soccer AM and the like. These high-profile players, they they judge that because they think he's not played in the Premier League or what have you. But then when you play with him, whether it's training, a charity game, and even now, people are surprised at the quality he's got. I suppose some people will call it, and it's 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 as an instance this week with uh, Raheem Sterling, wasn't it, in the in the United, United City derby, the question mark over him showboating. Yeah, that's what people call it commonly. But Lee Trundle was showboating the first minute, not the ninetieth minute. He'd yeah. do it from the start, so you'd accept that. Yeah. I remember him coming to me before the game, one game, and he said, "Boss, can I roll the ball on my neck?" Right, and. Uh, I just say if it's right, if it's right, you do it, yeah. and he did, and I think we were away from home, and the way and uh, and the fans, I think it was Cambridge, and the Cambridge fans loved it, <laughs> as much as the as the Wrexham fans. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, he, he was there to give them something different, and uh, I'm sure he he helped uh, he helped the gates of the opposition when Lee was playing with uh, with Wrexham. So you see, you know, you say. Lee, Andy, Andy Morell, good examples. I bet you enjoyed that aspect, though. You know, certainly managing Wrexham and I guess the pool of players, sort of around Liverpool way. A lot of lads, unbelievable talents. They just lose their way, so you know, in some way or form. And you'd go out and you know spot a spot a Lee. Well, the first one for us was uh, was more than important. The first one we signed under them circumstances was Carl Connolly and I remember getting a phone call from we had a, we didn't have many scouts but we had a scout because our when I when I took over at Wrexham the chairman says to me you've got uh, all of 10 pounds to spend in the transfer market yeah literally so uh, we had but we had scouts dotted around the northwest Liverpool especially D side looking at young players, because I said to the chairman when I took over, we're going to have to develop our own players. We're going to have to bring players through. But that's a three- to four-year plan. If we sign them at 15, 16, and they've got to be in the first team by 20. Mm. So, basically, you're asking for time, and that's what I that's what I got at Wrexham, time and patience to develop. And I got a call from the scout one Monday morning, and he, he'd said that, uh, uh, I found you a player. And I thought it was an under-16 player yeah. for the youth squad. And I said, well, I'll pass you on to Cliff Sear, who's in charge of our youth department then. He said, no, I want to speak to you. I found a player yesterday. Unbeknown to me, this scout used to referee Sunday morning, basically pub teams in Liverpool. And uh, he said, I found you a player. His name is Carl Connolly. I said, where does he play? He went, anywhere. 
So I had to back him. I had to back him. I said, well, do you think he could come... St- How old is he? He's, like, he's just 18. Do you think he could play in our reserves on Wednesday? And he said, I'm certain of it. Brian, I'm certain of it. Bring him across. So he brought him across and came into my office. We were kicking off at 2 o'clock. I think we were playing at Stansty, which is the, the ground which we used to have as a training ground. And uh, he came in. I said, where would you like to play? He said, I'm, I'm a forward either centre forward or I can play wide on the left and he played I remember saying to Kev prior to the game I think we might have to be cruel to be kind because if he's if he's embarrassing take him off after 20 minutes because it's not good for the young lad you know he's pitching him in just like that when reserve team football I guess reserve team a good football. standard yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and uh, after 30 minutes I said to Kev, we've got to sign him. <laughs> we've just got to sign him. After 30 minutes, he made that impact. What do, what do you see then? What do you see in, in those instances? Quality on the ball or a rough diamond? That is touch. He had uh, he was exceptional in the air. Uh, his timing of his uh, and his technique of heading was, was exceptional. Mm. His first touch was brilliant. Good left foot. Great attitude because obviously he wanted, he wanted to impress. Yeah. He really went, and, and and that's what he did. And I think I signed him within within a month. And he's had he had a great career. I could have sold him three or four times for a lot of money. And I'm talking a lot of money then was five hundred thousand pounds. Yeah. Um. He, 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 we could have easily cashed in on him. Unfortunately, I I left, and he let his contract run out, and he he left Wrexham on a free transfer to Queens Park Rangers, which is you know. And I had a good career down at Queen's Park Rangers as well. Yeah, so that shows the quality. I, I actually, I met him for the first time quite recently, played in a charity game with him. He's a character. Yeah. The two the two guys that you've named there, Trans and, and Cal Connolly, you know, you're talking about probably two characters that other managers maybe, because they're, yeah, I, I wouldn't say loud, that's, that's you know, seen as a disrespectful term almost. Ca- just characters, genuine. Some managers would be scared of that. Uh, something tells me you you thrive on those characters and and thinking you can get the best out of them. So man man of management. Yeah, it, it's also about uh, giving people opportunities, and it's the same that you find with young players. If if a young player can see that they've got a big challenge to get in the first team, but the the door is always open, and. They, nine times out of ten, they'll take it. Mm. We we were very successful successful in playing young players, as long as the timing was right, and uh, that then escalates to the others. That uh, it's like a knock on effect, snowball effect. Well, if he can do it, I can do it. So it's, uh, but they they weren't a challenge. They were they were, uh, and because of their hunger and desire, that rubbed off on the professionals as well because they haven't been brought up through the system. Yeah. Um, which was uh, a key figure for them. Was there ever a time where you thought, I'm going to have to slow trends down on the night out? You know, the frequency, shall we say? Um, no, the only, <laughs> the only occasion, the only occasion we played Carlisle away and we stayed in the station hotel in Carlisle. I think everybody stayed in the station hotel in Carlisle when we played up there. And he come to me. We, evening meal was seven o'clock, and he's an Evertonian. Lee, he come to me just before the meal. He said, "Boss, can I? Uh, it's all right if I nip next door to watch the Everton game. Mm. They li- they're live on TV." So I said, "Transit Weatherspoons." So I'm not going for a drink. I just want to go in and watch the game because the hotel didn't have Sky on. He said, "I just want to go and watch the game, Everton." I said, "Lee." Uh, there wasn't mobile phones there so they could take pictures so you spotted or or whatever Uh, but I said what happens if you spotted in there Lee on a Friday night and we go and play Carlisle what do you think the headlines are going to be what do you think Lee Trunnell's in the pub Friday night Carlisle versus Wrexham whatever the score is what's the headlines he said the headlines will be hat trick for Trundle as Wrexham beat Carlisle 
So yeah, I say, ah, on you go. You go and watch him if you want, because I trusted him. Yeah, I trusted him. If he wanted to go and watch Everton, fine. And the main thing, trusted him to perform. Yeah, yeah. You knew. Yeah. Uh, and almost if you if you take that away from Trans at that age, you know he's more professional now than he ever was. But if you take a, if you take that away from him then, because that was all he knew. You know, he told me a, uh, the story that uh, when Kenny Jackett came in as manager, and there came a time when Kenny got the squad together. And he wanted them to go out less, so he, so he's asking the question. I, I think this was Truns then in the office, you know, a one-on-one meeting and saying, Truns, do you, do you think you go out too often? No, Gaffer. He says, Well, when do you go out? Well, we only go out on a Saturday night to celebrate a win, and we'll have an all-day on a on a Sunday, and we go out on a Wednesday because it's student night, but we used to go out on a Tuesday. And they'd knocked one of them out. Like they stopped going out on a Tuesday. So it's to trans that that three times a week. You know, he was being professional. <laughs> it was in his blood, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it it was uh, it, it obviously is 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 vastly different now in terms of uh, the social side, social aspect of football. Unfortunately, the downside I think is that. Uh, it appears to me if play, players don't socialise together, mm. uh, I don't think they go out together and socialise as a group. Pairs might do, yeah. with families, with wives. You know, players. Uh, I suppose nowadays players are like ships in the night. They pass in the night and they don't forge friendships. No, no. You can almost count on one hand the majority of footballers out there over a ten-year career. Say, they'll maybe have four or five that they still keep in touch with yeah, yeah. even though at the time they're dead close in the dressing room but you just cut the ties as soon as one of you leaves yeah it's an interesting thing and i suppose alcohol comes into it doesn't it you know how, well, do, how do you create that bond whereas in the in not even the old days up until quite recently that was the bond yeah and then i saw the change almost where you have the lads who are getting a little bit older and they've been brought up on nights out so then these young young guys coming through Ultra professional. Mm. Sometimes they like to go out, but more to look good and yeah, yeah. maybe look good with the, with the women or whatever, whatever took their fancy. Um, but alcohol has been taken away from it, which is a good thing. Oh for yes, the game. absolutely. But you oh, miss yeah. you miss something, don't you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I don't think uh, it's been it's been it's well well proven that alcohol can uh, diminish your performance by a by a huge amount. Mm. Uh, going back to but certain eras, I obviously started at Burnley and there was tradition at Burnley in the 60s. Yeah. And 60s when, and Burnley were one of the top teams in Europe. They qualified and played in Europe. They finished in the top three for the four consecutive years in, in the 60s. And I don't think... The old story goes they had a new sign-in and all the players went out and the new signing didn't go out, and they didn't like him because he wasn't an a- alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to get drink more, otherwise he won't be part of this team. Yeah, uh, but that's the sixties, and but it's it's uh, it's vastly different now f- f- for the right reasons. Yeah, uh, and for you growing up, then Burnley, that was your main club playing wise. Yeah, the majority of appearances. No, 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 because uh, I went there at a young age. I went there at fifteen. I was transferred at 20, but I had seven years at Leeds. So Leeds was my... Leeds more, yeah? Yeah, Leeds was my... Well, I played more games, was more successful. Didn't win anything, Yeah. but finished... First four years I was there, we finished third, third, fourth and third. Yeah. And they sacked the manager because it wasn't good enough. Really? Yeah, in what would be the Premier League now. Madness. Yeah, oh yeah, and... uh, that's what the, they craved success leads. It was, a, but I, I was part of the transitional decade then, put it that way, where they were they were going from the Revy era, obviously, and if you you can name the team: Sprake, Reaney, Gray, Maidley, McQueen, Charlton, Jack Charlton, Billy Bremner, Johnny Giles, Alan Clark, Peter Lorimer, Mick Jones. You can go through all that era, and when I arrived. Uh, Sprake had gone, Charlton had gone, Bremner had gone, Giles had gone, Hunter had gone. You're talking about eight or nine internationals. Yeah. World class, you know, some of them world class internationals. So I was part of the transitional era. 
uh, but we were still relatively successful in terms of finishing high up in the league. And then obviously the same with Wales. Um, you know, almost you, you you were at an era with other top players, loads of you at the, at the height of your game. That I'm sure you could reel off that team off the tip of your tongue right now. Oh yes, quality. But but a mixture, you know, we've talked about that culture of going out and stuff. That that was the culture then. S- similar with the Welsh squad. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When we played in uh, in Wrexham, and there was a period in Wrexham, uh, we played at Wrexham because we got the best results there. And we used to meet up at the Bryn Howell in Slang in Llangollen, which is about two or three miles outside of Llangollen. Yeah, and. Uh, on the Sunday night, we'd meet up after the meals. We'd walk three quarters of a mile to the Sun Trevor Inn, which is on the way to Llangollen, and everybody went. Yeah. We'd go about eight o'clock, leave about ten o'clock, a couple of beers, that was it. But this getting together again, just stories and. Forming that bond. Yeah, yeah, it was. And everybody went, and everybody came back together. Nobody stayed, we all came back together. Yeah. Uh, it was tradition. That's what that's what happened, and uh, Cyril Lee was then the the coach. When Mike Smith was the manager. Mike knew all about it. He knew he'd give us a permission. Yeah. To do it, yeah. If that's what you do, that's what you do. Cause but he almost looks. He he looks the other way. He doesn't want to yeah. tell you go out. But yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's told the coach. Yeah, yeah exactly. let them go. First hour in the morning, we're going to do some running. Mm. You, we knew that just to get sweat a little bit of beer out, as if you could do that. Yeah. Uh, but there were some quality players that team. Yeah, we had a really good blend, good experience, good characters. Who did you have? Terry Yorath, obviously, fantastic captain. Yeah. Tosh. Tosh was at his height then with Liverpool. Tosh and oh. Deadly Dew with Tosh and Keegan up front. Uh, so I'm assuming in the pub in Hyangokhyen, Tosh would have been centre stage talking about what he was doing at, at Liverpool. No, we'd, we'd fire questions at him, what they do. Yeah. What, what's the secret? What's the secret about Liverpool? And Shankly, Paisley, winners, basically winners. Yeah. Wouldn't accept anything by winning. You know, uh, Performances came second, but they had so many good players, didn't they? So many quality players there. They are, again, another important key to a successful team is recruitment. How they recruited was phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, taking Tosh in as a 19 year old, a couple of years in the reserves. Same as Rushy. Rushy from Chester as an 18 year old. Mm. Give him a couple of years to get used to the way of life at Liverpool and then suddenly, pff, best striker in the world. Yeah. You know, that, that their recruitment was brilliant. Uh, Tosh, Terry would be, Terry Arthur would, would lead everything. Uh, some quiet characters, but influential. Leighton Phillips was a good player. Centre-back alongside uh, Mike England at the time. Mm. Mike England was in the team at the time. Rod Thomas, right back. Well, I had a bit of affinity for because he was born in a tiny village called Glencorug, which is up the valley from Port Albert. Right. And so his clusters, where I was from, is part of, you know, there. Uh, Leighton Phillips was from Neath, because I'm... He was another local, so uh, left back was Malcolm Page from Birmingham. Uh, me, Terry, John Mahoney, three of us in midfield. Leighton James up front, Tosh. Then Alan Curtis. Uh, we never, until Alan arrived, and I think Alan didn't come in probably till he was about 22, 23, I think. We didn't have really have a, an ally to Tosh up front. Okay. Somebody could feed off Tosh of real quality. Gil Reese was one I remember. Who was a Cardiff at the time. Uh, was always in the squads, but never started. Always came on as sub. Uh, but we were successful. We would. The one thing we were, we were hard to play against. We were difficult to play against. We, we made it uh, really difficult. Do you look back and think? I wish I'm not. I'm not going to say. You know. There's nostalgia, of course, even I have that now. But do you look back and does it make you just a little bit angry that you see these competitions these days where maybe the top two qualify or the top two and a third place will go into a playoff? That wasn't the case in those days. So in the 70s, you know, 
how close you came to qualifying for tournaments. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing now, I've not looked, looked at the stats before coming here, that only the top qualified. Yeah, but it was only groups of four. Okay. It wasn't groups of six. You know, where you get the top two now and the best possible third. It was only groups of four. And when we, we drew, our, our four was Austria, Hungary and Luxembourg. So we were third ranked, basically. Yeah. Hungary were, 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 were the main team. Uh, I remember going to the Nep Stadium, the famous Nep Stadium in Budapest. And they hadn't lost there since 1948, I think. Really? And we beat them. And uh, it was it was a famous night. We we got together, funnily enough. I can't remember how many years ago. Now the team got together uh, after twenty. I think it was twenty five years since we beat them. I mean, had some good memories. The worst penalty I've ever seen taken by John Toshak. Yeah. Yeah. What's he done with it? Oh, he fluffed it. He completely <laughs> nutmeg. I don't think it. It just about reached the goalkeeper. Right. Just about, and then he made amends by scoring, uh, and then John Mahoney scored uh, the winner. But it was a famous victory because uh, Hungary were a top top team in Europe then. Yeah, yeah. How good is Kurt? Snake Hips, his nickname was. He's a cool customer. Yeah, right? yeah. Kurt was. Uh, he was. Uh, he was very unfortunate uh, at Leeds. Uh, not long after going there, he was th- through one-on-one against Notts Forest, I remember it. And it was a 60-40 ball in favour of Peter Shilton. And they both of them were going flat out for the ball and Peter Shilton's coming out. And he goes down low to obviously to make a, a sliding challenge and snap his crucial ligament in, in, in the class. He really shouldn't have gone for it. He should have got out of the way, but he went for it. No, like a typical Allen. Yeah. Shilton was fine. He was okay because he knew he, could, he, could, he was going to get the ball, but unfortunately Allen came out and it really disrupted his Leeds career because I'm sure he would have done well at Leeds. But really? then he went back to Swansea and then took off again, basically. Yeah. His career took off again because of the rise of, uh, of the Swans and the Tosh. We're talking about football these days and how in the last what are we talking eight nine years Barcelona Messi Iniesta and this big deal of you know the smaller midfield player if you like because before that I was probably fortunate coming into the professional game at at a time when it was Vieira it was Petit that were dominating and people just for that whether it was a short for that period people thought that's what we need in the middle of the pack so I benefited but for you back then how was it was it was it the norm? Did you need that little bit of extra bite? Were you like one or two that I know that just had that little extra bite because you felt you had a point to prove? I had nothing to prove about size. And that was from my upbringing, really, at Burnley, because the day I walked in through the door, the manager never... Jimmy Adamson was the biggest influence, really, or especially in my early careers, career, uh, Never mention anything. I have to compensate because of my lack of inches. Yeah, I wasn't going to be picking up the corners. Yeah, I wasn't going to win aerial challenges in midfield. So I, that was it. Just uh, it was all about passing the ball at the right time, passing forward more importantly, and awareness. And, and that that was his key thing. So no, I I, I my argument is when when coaches and experts say the player's too small I think that's ridiculous it is isn't it it's absolutely ridiculous because if 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 the argument is he's not strong enough yeah then that's a good argument if he's not strong enough to com- to compete physically and then the demands of a game then that's valid but if a player's too small Peter Crouch is too big it, you're right it's, in, in that sense yeah. least, can somebody be too big to play football it's strength, isn't it? Of course Look it is. Yeah. I, I, sorry, it's, it's, it's strength of character as well. Your will, your desire, all them, all them things, determination, all them things, not just physical strength, but strength to, uh, to, be, to be better than the opposition. I'd, I'd rather come up against somebody of a similar size to me and ha- have it out that way because I know, you've touched on it there, I know that somebody smaller who's a clever, intelligent footballer Probably growing up, whether it was something they would have worked on 
because someone told them to or it came natural, you've got to find space in a different way. Because while you're growing up, maybe that physicality isn't quite there yet. So you've got to be clever, like Brits is a perfect example. So how can Brits get on the ball? He, he will have taught himself how to get on an angle that I'm not quite on the same level to pick him up, you know? What, 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 what helped me enormously, and, and it's only obviously in hindsight and looking back, what helped me enormously is I played rugby at school and I played scrum half mm. and I was behind some big boys yeah. and someone wanted to squash me. Yeah. You know, the, the wing forwards wanted to squash me because I'm scrum half, so I can start everything off. So I, 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 I learned at the young age how to, how, to, how to get tackled, how to fall, how to avoid tackling, mm. how to avoid being smashed. And where space is, when, when there's a lot of people around you, your own personal space, yeah. and where they are, you know, um, it's interesting. Have you seen, have you read um, uh, Di Morris's book, The Shadow? No. You want to get it? What is it? See, he's not a famous rugby player, Di Morris. He was a flanker for Neath. And when I grew up, I used to go and watch Abraham play. And... Religiously, every, every Saturday, my dad would take me, we'd stand in the same place. And Neath and Abraham were big, big rivals. They were big teams then. Yeah. You know, they weren't uh, regions now. You got, first division. First division, yeah. top, top first division rugby teams. Abraham, Swansea, Cardiff, Newport. We're the top five, basically. Mm. And when Neath and Abraham play, and the distance is eight miles apart, uh, it was fierce. It was absolute fierce games. But Di Morris was a flanker. And because he was at best five foot ten, five foot eleven, very slight, yeah. but a miner. And he worked in the mines, but he, I think he was just worked on steel, you know, the steel side of underground. He didn't, he wasn't digging the coal, but he was working with steel with something that. But he was as strong as an ox, even though he was frail. And Garth, Garth Edwards. He openly admits his career wouldn't have been the same without Di Morris because really? he was the shadow. He called him the shadow. When I was in trouble, he was there. I used to get, get rid of it and give the ball to him. Yeah. It's a fantastic autobiography. You want to get it and read it. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't put it down, honestly. And from a little village just outside here when he was. Brilliant. And it's, uh, it's, but going back to being here, that, that's, I think I learned a lot. I played rugby at school from eight-year-old until I went to the comprehensive till. 12, 13 year old, I played rugby at school and it was fierce. Mm. There was no rules like, you know, no rules like they are now. You can't, you can't tackle on the shoulder or the head. Yeah. It was any part of the body, take him out. Yeah. So, um, so that, that helped me in, in the football sense in terms of uh, riding tackles, uh, timing of tackles. Being aware of your own space, where 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 it is, where people are, and it's a it's a famous saying in when you are coaching, you pick up little bits of tips and what have you. When a player when a player receives the ball and then suddenly he's is taken off him by somebody from behind who he wasn't aware of, who he wasn't aware of, because and he's been robbed of the ball, and his argument is nobody give me a call. Yeah. The the thing is. A call is a bonus. If somebody's giving you a call, say man on your back, then that's a big bonus because you should know he's there. Yeah. You, if you don't know he's there, you're not doing your job. I think that's one of the biggest factors in that next level of, if we're talking about really high level footballers, is that awareness. And one of the first, or one of the best that I came across is, um, do you remember Jordi Gomez? Yes. Yeah, signed for Swansea. Yeah. None of us had heard of him. Yeah. None of us had heard of him. Then he turns up, you know, this flowing, flowing hair, lovely hair while he ran, looked good, lovely left foot on him. But his awareness, you know, one of my strengths would be to use these telescope legs and just nick a ball. Yeah, yeah. He just knew, he knew where I'd be. So at times he'd buy fouls, and I know the criticism, foreigners came to this country and they learned how to dive and this and that. He was a genius at it. Yeah. He just knew when I was coming, when I'd be trying to nick it, and at the last split second, he'd just move his body. I think I'm getting that ball. Yeah. All of a sudden he's there, buys a foul, or he uses me to bounce off yeah, and he's yeah, away. Absolutely. That's high-level football, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Johan Cruyff's famous statement that when asked, 
your feet are absolutely perfect. He said, no, my eyes are better. Yeah. My eyes are my biggest asset. Yeah. Because your eyes tells you everything. If you can see that, and you can see it quick. Again, we love going into the jargon. Coaches always say, can you see a picture? Mm. When you, when you, before you receive the ball, can you see a picture? What are you going to do next? What's going, what's going to happen next? Maybe and people have heard it too so often yeah, yeah. that they don't actually know what it means. Grasp it, yeah. That's probably, that's probably one of the things that I, um, if I could have my time again, how could I learn that earlier? If that makes sense, because I didn't turn professional till late. Um, you know, the benefit of being in men's football early in the Welsh league for Bangor yeah. was brilliant. But what I didn't have at that level with no coaching effectively was knowing body position, how to get on the ball, your mm-hmm. body body shape, your angle, yeah, and yeah. this and that. I was learning these things off Roberto while technique. he was manager when I was 23, 24. Yeah, technique. It's too late, really, mm. you know? Uh, I think that's a huge factor in, in just seeing these boys developing, whether it's guys you've coached, but lads that I've played with. That's, that's the X factor it, almost. It's, it, it's also specific to positions. Mm. Um, you talk about a defender, a striker, being quick, right? So, and you're not as quick as him. Mm. Uh, so where's the? So you think, right? Well, if I'm not as quick as him, if we're in a race, there's one thing I've got to be certain is, and that, and more often than not, when you if you're a defender and you're in a race with an attacker, you've got to turn. So he's running forward. By the time he's running forward, you've got to turn and catch him. Mm. So really, you've got to develop the skill and technique of turning quickly. Yeah. So if you can turn quickly, you can be nearly as quick as him because the distances, more often than not, are under 20 yards. Mm. It, they're under 20 yards, more often between 8 and 16 yards where a striker... Cause He's in. If you've got 8 yards on a football pitch, you've got a lot of space. So if you can read that ball and... and he's, and you can see the player, and he's ready to sprint, and you know you can see that. Yeah. Then if you can turn quickly, and the skill of turning quickly is important. Nobody taught me that either, Bray. Yeah. Can you turn quick? No, was, yeah. was my answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's, it's hard to describe on this now. I remember one manager saying to me, have you seen, have, have you seen an ice skater do a pirouette? Mm. Know they, how they do these pirouettes and they spin in, yeah. and they must spin about eight times, and they and they are like that, aren't they? They are like a pole. Yeah. They don't move off that spot. You slow that down a hundred times, and the head goes first to there, and when you've caught that, it goes back again. So it goes in quarters. Yeah. So your head is the thing that to, your head turns your body. Your shoulders don't. Your head will turn your body, and then you've got to move. And the, 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 it's it's amazing if you, if you see that. That's the same. Uh, I've watched it for a couple of years. Strictly Come Dancing. There's yeah. one dance. I don't know if you you'd know. I forget the name of it. That is quick with loads of turns. Yeah. Don't forget dancing on me. That's. Really, <laughs> I don't uh, know if it's I, a ballroom. I was, dance. I was I was reluctant to dance with my wife on the on our wedding day. Never mind. <laughs> No, but any any form of type of dancing. So, I, I'm sure it's a ballroom dance where you turn loads. Yeah. Um, maybe a Viennese yeah, waltz, yeah. yeah? And there's a technique, like you've just descri- described, using your head so that you don't get dizzy. Because yeah. obviously if you turn, 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 you're going to be dizzy, you're going to be sick. But these dancers have that head movement yeah. right, which is perfect perfect in what you've just described. Yeah. Couldn't dance, Brian. No, no, I had no rhythm whatsoever, absolutely none whatsoever, and I, I don't mind admitting it. <laughs> I didn't enjoy any dance floor, I can't remember co- courting my wife going on the dance floor either, so I only go, you go and, you go and dance. <laughs> Managing Wrexham then, you know, I'm sure you look these days with how much time managers have and reflect back to those days and think, you know, how brilliant it was to be given time to be given time to build a club. I'm sure the job that you do now as a, as a scout, you, you know, you did that when you were a manager. Mm. That was just one of the one of the strings that you had to have to your bow. But good times. Really good times. And uh, for four years, as I mentioned, it, it, it helped us because we didn't have any money. 
So we had to work that extra hard. And when you do eventually get money, mm. uh, you appreciate it more and you don't waste it. Okay. You Honestly, you don't waste it in terms of... Uh, the, I remember the chairman saying to me after, after we'd been... I think it was probably about the eighth year and wages were escalating, starting to escalate. And we were still in the old third division then. Neither playoffs all the time. Three years in the top, we nearly got in the playoffs. And I remember at the end of one season, and we were going through the budgets, and the chairman said to me, and he was, I, I, he was, he's always sincere, but he said, Brian, never ever ask me to allow a player to have £1,000 a week. Okay. Because this club will never do it. As long as I'm in charge, no player will earn £1,000 a week. Yeah. It was unheard of. Absolutely unheard of. That Look look the difference now. Look at the difference now. Even now at Wrexham, I'm sure there's a good handful on four oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I knew that. I knew... I, when I went, when did you I, never try your luck and say, "Oh, I found a, a gem here. This is going to be the difference." This man, give me a thousand. Late pounds. on, late on, but we had money to. to we, we were financially a little bit more secure. Not not well off, but more secure. Um, no, because we were selling players, I sold a player a year to subsidise everything. Yeah, okay. That 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 was the reason behind it, so I could increase the budget. There were certain players that we did uh, stretch the budget for, uh, but the chairman knew that uh, I would recoup it all, and the directors wouldn't have put their hands in their pocket like they they had to do, like most direct some directors still do now. Mm. You know, they uh, they supplement the club. Another man who's been on the podcast, Mickey T. You must have stretched the budget to get Mickey T in. What a guy. <laughs> Obviously, we go back a long way because we played together with Wales. And when uh, Joey it was Joey said, "Look, Mickey's available." I said, "Oh, he could just suit us." Yeah, Mickey could just slot in there. Uh, yeah, I could play Mickey in a three-year midfield on the left-hand side. Yeah, he would he would suit us. And when he came in, I said, "Look, I said, Mickey." Similar to when Rushy came in as well. This isn't about make you thirty-four. Mm. You've been at Manchester United. This isn't about money. It's about how long do you want to play play football? How long do you want to play the game? And during the week, you can do what you want in terms of. He wanted to train any anyway. He always wanted to train. I said, look, you can pick your days and one after. As long as you're right for Saturday, that's fine. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was good. And obviously, everybody remembers him for the Arsenal goal. People still think that's the winner. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was the equaliser, and he hadn't taken a free kick all season. <laughs> Why he was doing that? I don't. Know, I don't know if you can see if you watch the goal again. And Wayne Phillips is close to him, and Wayne was taking the free kick. Wayne is. Uh, Wayne has obviously said to him, "You can't shoot from there. It's too far. Mm. Let's work a free kick." And he and he swore at him and brushed him aside to leave it to me. And to beat David Seaman from that distance and that in to put it into that top corner. Uh, well, it's it's part of FA Cup history, isn't it? Yeah. It's folklore in the FA Cup, that goal for Mickey. And who got the winner? Steve Watkins. Steve Watkins. Forgotten? St- yeah, I suppose in some ways Steve Watkins. And that was, uh, that brings me up, to when we were developing young players, uh, there came a stage when they became 17, 18, and they'd done well in the youth team. We didn't have an under-23. Yeah. We, we, we were sort of had a reserve team, but it wasn't like, wasn't great. Uh, it wasn't great sort of legal setup. So the reserves wasn't. The reserves was full of the end of eighteens anyway. Yeah. So the end of eighteens, I thought, well, they starting to play too many games. They're playing on Saturdays and the eighteens. They're playing in the reserves with a couple of first team players who've been, you know. So I said, um, let's get them out on loan. And there's two examples uh, that stand out a mile was was Steve Watkin and Neil Roberts. Yeah. Uh, Steve Watkins first, he was doing really well in the youth team. I used to say regularly to the youth team, Cliffs, is he ready? Tell me when he's ready, because I'll play him. No, he's not ready yet, Brian. I think we might have to send him out on loan. Right, OK, let's get, let's get working on it. 
And coincidentally, I got a phone call from Mick Maguire, who worked for the PFA, and he was basically number two in the PFA behind Gordon Taylor. And uh, he said, he phoned me up, so Brian, he said, I've got an interesting one here. I've come first to you. You're the first person I've rang on this option because it's a key one, it's an important one. Uh, have you got a striker, a young striker that you prepare to go out and loan? Oh, well, it's music to my ears, Steve Watkins, straight away. Straight away thought about Steve Watkins. I said, I've got, he said, but his character has got to match his ability. And I thought, it's a strange statement. Why does he have, I said, look, he's, he's, he's spot on. He won't be an ounce of trouble. If you're saying about trouble, and he, you know what I mean? He said, no, no, it's, it's, if, it, if you back him 100%, I, that, that's good enough for me. Right, we've got a club ready for him to go on loan. I said, yeah, okay, when? He said, next week. I said, where? He went, New Zealand. You want a 17-year-old to go to New Zealand on loan? Minimum six months. Yeah. Can't come back. Can't be home. Can't come back. He's not going to New Zealand for a week and say, I don't like this place. You may as well send him to prison. That was the character. You know, can he handle all yeah, that? Yeah. Well, as soon as he said New Zealand, I thought, perfect for him. So I brought Steve in. I said, look, explain the city. I didn't mention New Zealand till the very end. Look, this is what we want. If you go out there and... Look, he was slight. He was small. 5'10", 5'11". He was going to make it to six foot. Um, technically good. I'd like you go on loan. Do you think... Yeah, boss, straight away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Next week. Right, OK. So, but we've got a couple of things to do first. He said, what's that, boss? It's going to have to get you a visa. Visa for what? Visa to go on loan. So you're going to New Zealand. And his eyes lit up. I said, do you realise where you're going? He went, I've got a good idea, because you're a bright lad. Yeah. I said, it's the other side of the world. I don't want you coming back after a week. He said, no, I'll, I'll, don't worry, I'll be there. Came back a man. Is that right? Came back, and I, came back a man. And he got a little bit, he must have got a little bit of the New Zealand mentality. Why are they the best rugby team in the world? Mm. Look, I don't, what's their population in New Zealand? I don't know. Not, not many in comparison to others. Comparison. Look, it's hazard a guess at 15 million. Is it that? That's fine. I'll find out. You keep, you keep going, Brian. So he's gone to New Zealand. And what New Zealand, and most certainly in sport, and most certainly in rugby, they're born winners, aren't they? Yeah. That, that's the only way you can say why New Zealand are top. Less than 5 million. That's five. 2017, so it would have been less. It would have been less than that. Four million. Four million. How many are male and how many are female? Mm. If you if you look at it that way, yeah, you can might split it. So even if sixty forty, five million is you're only talking a couple of million males. Uh, had a great hosting. The, the hosts were brilliant. Obviously, the people he lived with. He's still in touch with them now. Uh, and he came back a man, and within twelve months he scored the win against Arsenal. Is that? That's strange for back then, though, isn't it? You know, it's not as if you could keep tabs and get videos of him playing, and you just had to trust your judgment that he was over there doing the right thing. He was being yeah. looked after. Yeah. And then, because you don't know what sort of player is going to come back to you. No, no. But that was life back then. Yeah. The other one was Neil Roberts. Neil was uh, excelling in the youth team. Uh, my, my policy with second years, uh, in terms of because it was so important, my my sh policy and schedule schedule was that the players decision on the player at second year will be done in May. The final decision mm. was done in May to offer a player a professional contract or not. So in January, all the staff would have a meeting. We'd have a meeting with a list of players. Say there's five of them. Would you say this now May? Would you sign him, 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 or him, and him? So we go through them individually, the advantages, disadvantages, where they need to improve upon. So the youth, the youth team coach knew what to work on for, for the next month, and then February would come. Same, same thing applied. Another meeting in February. How's he doing? God, boy, he's doing really well. He's had a good month this month. Good. What would you sign him? Yes. So I kept a chart of who we said yes and no to. Yeah. And so. All the way along, Neil was 50-50. There was four of us. 
So there was four of us, and the, the four, me and Kevin, I don't mind admit, me and Kevin were doubtful. Cliff and Joey were 100% got to sign him. But the same thing came up every month. He's too weak. He's too weak. He's too timid. Technique, great. He was scoring goals. But he, for a striker, he needed a bit of... Like everybody needs a bit of tough, a tough streak in them, but he didn't have it. Any defender go close to him, he'd fall over, basically. And no foul, fall and no, over. And no foul, yeah. and no foul. Any contact, physical contact, he's not strong enough. So we got to me, and we said, right, this, I said, this is the interesting one. Now we leave this one, Neil Roberts, to last. So we got to Neil Roberts last, and I said, right, okay, I'll start it off. It's four of us, I've got a casting vote. Neil Roberts, I'm no. Kev, I'm no. Cliff, I'm yes. Joey, I'm yes. So I said, well, I've got the casting vote, Joe. You know what the answer is. I said, before you say it, from tomorrow, which is the season ends, May the 6th, when are we back in training, right? We're back on July the 2nd for pre-season training. I'll take Neil Roberts in the gym for the next three months every day of the week for the next three months. And I'll make sure that he's he's strong enough. I had to back him. Yeah. I said, sign him, we'll sign him. That's the mark of Joey as a man. Yeah, and yeah, also yeah. that Neil would have just left a little lasting impression. There must have been something that you liked about him more than on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? yeah. So uh, Joey did that. He came back in pre-season physically, especially upper body as well, which you need, you know, which he needed, and uh, sold him two years later for £400,000 to Wigan. Class. Yeah, yeah, and them are the two examples where something can just turn for you. That, that a career, I, I do always think that maybe good players will find their way, or I word that differently. Every player will find a level, mm-hmm. for one reason or another. You know, there's better players than, far better players than me that haven't played at the level that I played at. There's probably worse players than me who have played at a higher level. Yeah, yeah. It's a mix yeah. of everything, isn't it? You need that stroke of luck. You need, you know, for the things to work your way at the right time, like like happened with with Neil Roberts, mm. just to forge a career. Be ready. Yeah. Be ready when the opportunity arises. That's what you have to do. Mm. Time for a little coffee break. Hopefully you guys enjoyed part one of the Brian Flynn conversation. If so, make sure you tune in and download part two.